welcome to Crop Sets presented by North Carolina Cooperative Extension. I'm Jacob Morgan, a field crops agent with North Carolina Cooperative Extension. Today, we have Bennett Harrelson, doctoral student with Clemson University. Good morning, Bennett. Could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Thank you, Jacob. Yeah, I'm Bennett Harrelson, a PhD student uh, at Clemson University working down at the Edisto Research and Education Center in Blackville, South Carolina, uh, working with Dr. Michael Plumley. Grew up on a small family farm and went to Clemson for my undergrad and then pursued a master's at University of Georgia, a master's in plant pathology. And then uh, after completing that, got out and worked a while and then decided to, to come back and pursue a PhD. And that's kind of led me to where I am now. So today we're going to be discussing planting soybeans behind corn. And I guess the first question is, in what situations does planting soybeans behind corn make sense? So that's a great question. This kind of system of double cropping soybeans behind corn, which has kind of been my PhD project in a nutshell, has picked up some steam here in South Carolina probably in the last three to five years more so. But we've had several growers that have been doing this for uh, up to the last 10 years where they're planting a corn crop, managing it throughout the year. And then if the situation presents itself where they're able to get that corn crop out of the field early, um, weather conditions have been right, input prices maybe are down to where they can afford to put some soybeans in the ground. They'll go in there and, and plant soybeans directly behind that corn crop and try to capitalize on the long growing season that we have here in the southeast and make two crops in one year. And so from our perspective, we're kind of looking at it at a whole systems type approach and trying to see which hybrids work best, which soybean varieties work best behind this. When is this system profitable and then when is it no longer profitable so hopefully at the end of this work we'll be able to have a better answer for those those tough questions so i'm assuming if you're considering doing this planning ahead is very important so can you just give us a quick rundown on the corn part of this strategy maturities planting date fertility harvest aids kind of those types of things that folks need to consider sure so that's the the corn part is definitely probably the most critical part of the equation is Kind of what we've learned in our first year of looking at this project, where we've looked at two different corn hybrids, a 113 and a 120, and then we planted those at two different planting dates, March 15th and April the 13th this past year, 2022. And to kind of give a the window of the corn planting that we have in South Carolina, and then also the maturities that are planted here. And so kind of what we found is it really didn't matter which hybrid maturity we had, the 113 and the 120. Um, there wasn't any significant difference in terms of coming off about the same time, but what was critically important was the planting date. Getting that corn planted early in March up to about the 1st of April is kind of the, the time frame that we think would be best for this system. The later you move into April, corn just can't get dried down fast enough to be able to make it in this system. And so for planting dates, we've, we've definitely been seeing that the March planted corn, maybe up to about the 1st of April, first week of April. And then um, for fertility, we growers have just kind of been managing their corn crop how they would normally. A lot of the growers in this, they like to kind of go into the year thinking that they would like to do this system, but it kind of really depends on the year. We have several growers that do this, kind of plan on doing this every year. And then I'd say the, the majority of the growers, it's a decision that kind of pops up as the time when they're harvesting the corn crop is going on. Can they get it in the field? Is everything working out right? that kind of situation. Is irrigation important 
to get that corn crop moved along to our earlier harvest? For sure. Irrigation in this system is critical. I'd say that of the acres that have been done in this system in South Carolina, I'd say 100% of them are irrigated. Just to be able to get that corn crop pushed and then also importantly to, to push those soybeans. A lot of these growers are, are really pushing that soybean crop uh, later in the year with, with irrigation. And so in a dry land situation, it's just, I think the risk becomes too great. Not to say that it couldn't be done, but it it's already a risky practice. And so having irrigation is definitely a, a key in the system. So what about harvest aids or ways to get that corn out sooner? I'm assuming they're picking it and drying it. Uh, is that pretty common down there? For sure. Uh, another critical component of the system is definitely having a grain dryer. Um, these guys are getting started about 25% moisture content on their corn. They're starting to crank up the combines and getting moving. And so in our project, we've looked at, you know, with those two planting dates and those two different maturities, we've also looked at cutting that corn at three different moisture contents at 25%, 20 and 15.5%. And even on our earliest planting day and on our shortest day hybrid, if we let that corn crop dry down to 15.5%, the earliest planting date that we got on a soybean last year in that situation wasn't until September the 15th, which was just way too late. Kind of the window that growers that we've talked to have done this and what our data this past year showed that as early as you can harvest that corn in July, the better, up to about, they think, the 14th of August. We're hoping to get some more planting dates this coming year in that August, first week or two of August to kind of see when the critical period is. But at least here in South Carolina, it feels like the first 10 to 14 days of August is kind of the, the window and as soon as you can get in the field in July. But a grain dryer is definitely critical in this situation, yes. All right, so we get the corn harvested. Uh, is the residue an issue for planting soybeans? That's a great question, and, and it is. That's one thing that we learned this past year, and I guess our situation is a little bit different here on the experiment station where we have a strip till that we use, but it's not in tandem with our planter. And so last year when we harvest our corn, we went in there and mowed the stalks and then came back in there and planted the soybeans with our planter. And the residue is just, as you can imagine, with a you know 200 plus bushel corn crop, there's a lot of residue on the ground. And so to be able to get that good planter just in the soil and make a good seed bed is a challenge. And so a lot of the growers that are doing this, I'm not sure how many, but I'd say the large majority have a strip till rig in tandem with their planter. And so, and they're also using some kind of residue management with their corn header, with, with their combine. They're, a lot of them have a stalk chopper or they have um, some rollers on their head to help confetti that, that residue to be able to help break it up and, and disperse it a little bit better than usual. And so that's one thing that we learned this past year is, the importance of, of residue management. And so, yeah, that's, that's critical. And so a lot of guys that they do the system definitely are, are taking steps to alleviate that for sure. So what spacing and what population should growers be looking to achieve uh, when planting these, these really late planting dates on soybeans? So this past year, we also looked at that. So we looked at looking at 30 inch rows versus 15 inch rows to see if there's any difference in terms of, yield of course on the soybeans planted ultra late but also one of the critical components that growers say in this system is plant height when they're looking at a soybean variety they're looking for more so a variety that gets tall in stature because 
combine efficiency that late in the year can be a challenge if the soybeans are just super low to the ground. And so we looked at seeding rate and row spacing to see if we could influence that plant height. And at least from our data this past year in 2022, we didn't see any significant difference comparing a 30-inch row to a 15. And then we looked at seed rates ranging from 120,000 seeds per acre all the way up to 240,000 seeds per acre. And a lot of the guys that are doing this are planting this around 180,000. And so we didn't see any significant difference between those and kind of that sweet spot that guys have been using is about 180,000 seeds per acre. Have you seen any maturity group differences among the varieties that you've been planting for this test? So that's a good question. And one that we looked at as well as we looked at following that combination of different planting dates on the corn, different corn hybrids, and, t- and then also factoring in the different moisture contents of when it was harvested, we looked at four different maturity groups of soybeans. And so that was a group four, five, six, and seven. And so we saw no statistical difference in plant height or grain yield based on those group fours through sevens. And so kind of what we learned through the system is growers necessarily maybe aren't as keyed in to a maturity group effect, but rather than a, a variety selection within maturity groups. Growers are really keen in on, in the system on, on plant height. That kind of is the is the factor that they're really going after. A soybean that gets real tall and growthy, maybe when it's grown full season, would work well in this situation. And so the varieties that a lot of growers have been using historically are some of those uh, big growthy soybeans that if you plant them full season, get uh, kind of can sometimes maybe get out of hand. They They work very well in the situation to be able to get them in the combine header late in the year. Anyone who's harvested corn in North Carolina and I assume South Carolina knows that we will have volunteer corn come up pretty soon after harvest. Uh, what should growers be doing to combat that problem? Yeah, that's that's definitely an issue that we have here is, I guess, is late season management of weeds after corn harvest. And so that's kind of, you know, another added benefit, I guess, of this system is you're just actively managing those weeds in a soybean crop rather than leaving that field fallow and maybe letting some of those weeds get tall and set seed that can become a challenge, you know, in years to follow. And so growers who are doing this are trying to grow these soybeans as cheap as possible. And so really this past year when we grew it, volunteer corn was an issue, but it was really one spray of clethodim or select really controlled all the issues that we had. Volunteer corn was really our only weed issue that we had that late in the year, um, around that July to August time frame. And then from an insect and a disease standpoint, as I mentioned, they're trying to grow them as cheap as possible. So if they can get away with not spraying any insecticide or any fungicide, they're definitely doing so. They'd like to kind of see what they can get by, you know, one spray for volunteer corn and, and seeing what it'll do from there. One issue we have with later planted soybeans or double crop beans is stink bugs. They seem to come in late in the season. Uh, you know, corn, the full season beans are drying down, and those stink bugs are really pouring into these later planted fields. Is that something that y'all have seen an issue with or, or not so much? This is the, I guess this will be the second year that we're working on this project. And this past year in 2022, we did not see an issue, at least that I know of or that we heard of. Dr. Plumley might be able to speak that better than I if he heard of any growers who were double cropping beans behind corn that had an issue with stink bugs late in the year. 
but I, I guess it definitely could be an issue with, with corn drying down and other stuff drying down where those soybeans are out there and they're still green and, and pests moving in there. But I guess that's where it comes to, to good scouting measures and seeing if you have threshold levels of stink bugs or, or whatever the pest may be out there and then trigger a spray based on that for sure. Yeah, scouting is always usually a good answer for any of those insect or weed issues. Is there anything else you think we need to talk about before we wrap this podcast up? No, I think you, you the questions you asked really kind of hit the nail on the head with the system. Is you know, I, I think the the mile high view of this system and kind of what we hope to accomplish after this work is completed is this is a risky system to begin with, and so doing this project, how can we make this system as least risky as possible to where if growers are looking to possibly try this on their farm, what could they possibly do from a a hybrid standpoint? Could they pick a hybrid that might be better suited for this? They also would need to know that a a grain dryer is critical in this situation to be able to get the corn out early enough to be able to give those beans a chance uh, to make a profitable crop. And then also the importance of irrigation, the importance of having a some kind of irrigation system to be able to help that corn crop progress and then definitely to push those soybeans late in the year to to give them the the water they need to to fill out and, and make a profitable crop. So I think those are some of the mile high perspective points that are are por- important in this system. And then all the questions that you asked, I think really kind of hit the nail on the head. All right, I know that's my last question. This is hopefully gonna be my last question. What kind of yields are y'all seeing on those soybeans planted planted that late that's a great question and so some growers that we've been kind of talking about and meeting with when we were first getting this project off the ground to kind of pick their brains about what they've been doing because farmers are are, are very smart and so they've kind of tried everything and and they kind of were letting us know what they've learned and what they still have questions about that they would like us to try and some of the growers that have been doing this for five to ten years it's nothing for them to cut 30 to 40 bushel soybean crop following a 200 plus bushel corn crop. So from a profitability standpoint, it looks pretty good on the profit line. If you can follow up that 200 plus bushel corn crop with maybe a 30 to 40 bushel soybean crop directly following. And I think a, another point that I, I failed to mention earlier is here in South Carolina, our, our corn crop, not everywhere, but some places often goes on our most productive ground where it's irrigation, uh, good heavy land that can can support a good corn crop. And so a lot of times that, that goes into a continuous corn rotation. And so being able to mix the soybean in there to help break up that rotation um, also does some good things from a rotational standpoint, for sure. So a lot of added benefits to thinking about this system. All right. A lot again, this is going to be my last question. When do you expect <laughs> this work to be done as far as you've got some good data, which you feel pretty confident in, uh, in releasing that information in a publication or, or some other manner? So we're in uh, year two now. And so we'll, we'll continue this work next year and get three years of data. And so hopefully after that three years of data, we'll have a, a good data set that kind of tells the story of kind of the whole picture from the corn going in the ground all the way through the soybean harvest. And, you know, I, I haven't really hit on some other projects that we're looking at, but just briefly, I'm sure growers might have a question is we've looked at the nematode aspect of this system where we're looking to see if there's any impact of the nematodes building up on the corn crop that they become detrimental on that soybean crop directly after. So looking at corn with and without a nematicide along with soybean with and without a nematicide and then also the use of 
of uh, southern root knot resistant varieties too to see if we can kind of help alleviate the nematode issue um, that we have in South Carolina and some of our coastal plain soils. And then we're also looking at some other different things from starter nitrogen on the soybean to see if we can influence plant height, which we didn't see this past year. Some other questions that we had from growers was, should I be worried about atrazine carryover on the soybean crop? And so we looked at that this past year as well. And so uh, no effect on soybean, you know, emergence or or grain yield. So some questions that growers have asked us that we're trying to to answer as well to see if we can get the whole system of this kind of figured out so growers can feel confident in trying it. Well, Bennett, it certainly sounds like y'all doing a good job of, of finding out what questions the growers are doing this have. It sounds like you're well on your way to developing a good system that you can present to growers and help answer questions or or ease concerns that growers may have that may be looking into this uh, system. So we certainly appreciate your time today. Well, I appreciate y'all having me and, and thank you again. If you have any questions regarding planting soybeans behind corn, uh, I don't really know what to tell you. <laughs> Bennett's going to get those answers for us after a while. But um, if you have any other questions about uh, your crop, be sure to reach out to your local cooperative extension agent and they'll be happy to answer any questions you have. Uh, if you like this podcast, please tell a friend. And as always, thanks for listening to Crop Sense. Because if it isn't making money, it isn't making sense.